0: And I had a circle of friends. A band of brothers. Friends who were experiencing life with me. Friends that were excited about life like I was. And I had a sparked imagination for what might become of my life. What might become of the future. The best stories are the ones most like reality. Always with a touch of darkness, always with a touch of fear, always with a touch of weakness and danger and suffering. And sometimes that touch seems too much to bear. The biblical story, the story that we ourselves are caught up in is no different. You know, it's not all sunshine and roses. Frankly, this story can be a bit terrifying. It's not without both great disappointment and real danger. In this world, there will be suffering. It's not so much that suffering is inevitable as it is certain to come our way. But that doesn't comfort you, does it? Jesus had the same sort of predicament with his disciples when he was telling them about the bad that was out there and the bad that would get in there. He said, But now your hearts are heavy. You're worried. Far too much and far too often, we believe the lie that suffering can always and in every way be avoided. We've bought into the lie of progress, that we're just kind of moving forward on an upward trajectory. And one of these days, life will be perfect, life will be painless. Life will be free of death and danger. We've avoided suffering like it's the plague. We've convinced ourselves that the goal of life is somehow to find freedom from conflict. Perhaps we've made Buddha proud. But freedom from conflict is not the goal of life, though. Mr. Carson from Downton Abbey was closer to the truth when he said, the business of life is the acquisition of memories. In the end, that's all there is. Now, surely, memories are not all that there is in the end, but memories are definitely much better than simply a lack of suffering or conflict. See, Jesus promised His disciples suffering. And He promised them not just suffering, but He promised them rejection and hatred. They will even throw you out of the synagogues They will hurt you and harm you. They will kill you. They will make you feel pain. Thinking all the while that they are doing God a favor. Suffering is coming. This world will surely be filled with it. But fear not. Be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. Facing the certainty of suffering, a couple of options are laid before us. We can either, on the one hand, choose cynicism, or we can, on the other hand, choose sacrifice. The options are fatalism or honor. But choose we must. How we go forward when faced with this reality is of the utmost importance. What we choose will direct the trajectory of our lives on into eternity. And so what will we choose? Will we choose self-comfort or will we choose self-sacrifice? Those are really the only two options that there are. There is no third way, no alternate or safe course. We will each and every one of us either insist on turning inward or allow God's spirit to turn us outward. In each moment of our passing lives, we are continually making this choice, self or others, comfort or sacrifice. Tomorrow is Memorial Day. It's a day in which our nation remembers and honors those who've died while serving in our military. Rightly so, it's a day that reminds us of sacrifice, a day that reminds us of valor, a day that reminds us of heroism in the face of danger. I just finished reading a book that Aiden gave me as a gift. I've got it right here. It's a good book. It was a book on the influence that World War I had on C.S. Lewis, J.R.R. Tolkien, their profound friendship that began after the war and the unique literature that they wrote in the war's shadow. You know, war reminds us that we're in the midst of struggle. It conjures up before us the reality of death and suffering. Far too often we romanticize war We seem proud of it and eager for it. But those who fight in war know deep down in their bones, in their guts, that war is terrible and devastating. The world is engaged in a great war of good and evil. And we find ourselves caught up in the midst of the struggle. Jesus spoke of it. He warned his disciples of it on the night that he was betrayed. Think of it. Betrayed. If we are to be faithful to the cross it will take all that we have and all that we are. Faithfulness to the cross will take our time and our energy. And it will take whatever courage and honor, whatever valor and grit we can put together. Jesus was leaving his disciples and he knew that they were sad He knew that this was bad news in their minds. But he assured them that he was not leaving them without weapons. There is a fight ahead, there is a war to be waged. You need some weapons, boys. And so Jesus left them the weapon of friendship. In the fellowship of the ring, it's Gimli, the dwarf, who says, Faithless is he who says farewell when the road darkens. In friendship, we find strength that is beyond ourselves. We find a sharedness and a camaraderie in another. One who's willing to fight for us and one who's willing to fight with us. And God gave us friendship. It's one of His best gifts to us. Woe to us if we neglect the weapon and the joy and the strength that we can find in a circle of friends. It's partly with that in mind that the Hebrews writer said, don't forsake one another. Christ has made a new way for you. Enter in together. You need each other. Stir up love and good works. Walk this path together because you cannot walk it alone and you dare not walk it alone. Jesus gave his church, his disciples, his followers, the weapon of friendship, and he gave them the weapon of sacrifice. The cross reminds us of sacrifice. It reminds us of death and of self surrender. See, the gospel offers us not some cheap panacea for all of our problems, but it offers us the transformative power of sacrifice that sacrifice though it brings on death is able to undo the effects of death it's a shame that after 2,000 years The church isn't known for sacrifice. That is a shame. What does the world think of the church? Unfortunately, it thinks of buildings and money. And buildings and money are not bad things. But the gospel's more than that. The world thinks of influence. Or at least those that are hungry for influence. I mean, think long and hard about that. Does the world, and not just the world in some cosmic out there sense, but the world around you, the world you see on the TV, the world that you see on the news, the world of your neighbors, does the world think of the cross when it thinks of the church? Because of all people, it seems that after 2,000 years, the church has gotten sick and tired of the message of sacrifice. We want comfort, for crying out loud. We don't want grit. We want ease. We don't want friendships that will lay down their lives for one another. We want to be left alone and have a happy life. But Jesus gave his church the weapon of sacrifice, its transformative power. And he gave the weapon of intercession, as past Thursday was Ascension Day. And we're reminded that Jesus lives forever at the Father's right hand, making intercession for his people. The one who has gone before us still bears the wounds of our redemption. And the epistle tells us that he is opened to us a new and living way through his wounded flesh. And he's praying for you and he's praying for me. And he gives us the gift, the weapon, the invitation to come and join him in praying for one another. In praying for the church, in praying for the souls of the lost. Because that's the type of business he's in. And he wants us to join him in that business. Jesus gave us the weapon of comfort. We don't often think of comfort as a weapon. You know, we think of comfort as kind of a nice, nice thing. We think of comfort as being ease. But Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, told his disciples that if he goes away, it's actually to their advantage. Sure, they're going to be sad. Sure, their hearts are going to be broken. Sure, it's going to seem like a terrible thing. But if he goes away, then he'll pray to the Father. And the Father will send the Comforter. the paraclete the one who comes alongside the helper this coming sunday's pentecost where we declare that the comforter has come that god has poured out his spirit on the church That God has taken up residence in our hearts by faith through His Spirit. That He has not left us alone. That we are not fending for ourselves. And this weapon of comfort, this comforter who is coming, He brings new life. Not just a new chance. Not even a clean slate, but new life and a new hope. Jesus is talking to those who are sad, those who cannot deny the darkness, who cannot ignore the danger, and he promises them joy. Joy that is full. And he promises them peace. Peace, not like the world gives, but his peace. This comfort, this one who is coming, brings grace just at the moment of our need. And he brings transformation and healing. He brings power and might. Because we're in the midst of a story that has dark corners all throughout it. That has danger seemingly around every single one of those dark corners. And we're engaged in a battle. Not just a battle, but a war. And we've got each other. And we've got the power of living life for one another and laying down life for one another. And we can pray for one another. But again, God has not left us alone. He's not left us surrounded by the enemy to fend for ourselves. Because when the comforter comes, he brings reserves from the kingdom of heaven. Strength that we can't find in ourselves naturally, courage that defies all dangers. Again, the choices are simple for us. They're laid right before us. Will we choose the easy way which in the end doesn't avoid destruction. It marches head on and headlong into it. Or will we choose the way of the cross, the way of courage, the way of sacrifice, the way that leads? to life everlasting. In each and every moment, we have those choices before us. What will we choose this day and this moment? Because tomorrow and the moments ahead rests right here let's pray